Welcome to the Aging Gracefully Podcast. I'm Janae Anderson. And I'm Mary Thompson. Join us as we explore the myths, beliefs, and realities of aging to empower each of us to thrive on all levels, every moment of our lives. Mary, have I got a story for you. What's that? What's up? It's a story about stories. <laughs> a story about stories. Yes. Okay. So I um, have been having a lot of pain in my shoulder, mm-hmm. and um, I went through all the physical therapy, and it was time for an MRI. An MRI. An MRI. I haven't had one before. Oh, well, okay, here's what happened. I had neither, and I had no idea really what to expect, but I got a call from the person who was registering, and she asked me all the usual questions about my insurance and stuff, and then at the end of the call, she said, now, do you have any form of claustrophobia? And I said, oh, mild claustrophobia, and she said, oh, me too. She said, there's no way they would get me in that tunnel. She said, I'd have to drink a bottle of wine in order to do it. <laughs> this was the person they had calling you to arrange yes. the appointment. Okay. Yes, and then we hung up, and now I'm scared. I'm like, right. oh, my God, and she tells me I'm going to be in there for 45 minutes, and I can't move, and I'm freaking out. Right. So I text a friend who happens to be a nurse, and I say, hey, how bad are MRIs? And she sends me this long text back talking about how when she has MRIs, her husband has to be able to come. He has to put his hands on her feet, and if she moves them in a particular way, he knows to pull her out no matter what, um, just in case she panics because it's really scary. You know, so I'm like, oh, my God, and now I'm really freaking out. And then, to top it all off, I Google how to survive an MRI. Oh, my God. I think when you put something in how to survive, it's automatically catastrophizing, right? It's automatically the worst thing you could possibly go through. How am I going to live? Will I see the light of day again? Yeah. So, I mean, it just snowballed, and I'm freaking out, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to take drugs. I'm going to have to take muscle relaxants, which means I can't drive home. So, you know, just the whole thing. And... um, and then I went to physical therapy, and I mentioned that I had an MRI coming up with trum- a trembling voice. And the physical therapist says, oh, yeah. She says, "I have you had them before? I said, no. She said, I get them. She said, it's no big deal at all. I usually fall asleep. And I went, what? That's different. It, so it was a whole different story. And suddenly I realized that that's what I was doing. I was buying into other people's beliefs and stories um, about the MRI. And I was like, well, whose story do I am I going to pick? Because it suddenly occurred to me that I had a choice. Yeah. And I came to, I'm not going to have any story. I'm going to go in there with absolutely no story. Okay. And every time my mind tried to make me afraid, I said, no, no, no story. And walked into that MRI with no story. I was calm. I was mindful. Mm-hmm. It turned out to be 15 minutes, not 45 minutes. Oh. And it was a nice experience. I got to request the music I wanted. So they were chanting mantras in my headphones. And it was actually really nice. And when it wasn't nice, like the loud clanking sound, I just went, okay, that's this moment. And I was going to be there for that experience. And then... The next moment, it was no longer happening. So it was actually a super good experience. Well, that's terrific. Now, if you were to have another MRI, Mm -hmm. would you have a, how would you approach it differently? Or would you just go in the same way? This is is a non-issue. In fact, I have been trying to approach my whole life that way now with no story. 
How do you do that? What is that? What does that look like? Well, for instance, because I am having pain in my shoulder, when it hurts, I go, okay, there's pain in this moment. And that doesn't mean there will be pain for the rest of my life because my mind loves to catastrophize. Um, it's like in this moment, maybe not even in the next moment, there will be pain. All I know is this moment. And um, just experience it and embrace what's in this moment and then see what happens next. Mm -hmm. It makes life much more of a, a wondrous mystery. I like that. You know what it reminds me of is being pregnant. When you're pregnant, women love to tell horrible, horrible birth stories. It's almost like a stranger in the supermarket will say, oh, you're pregnant. Let me tell you about this horrible experience that I had so that I don't know why. I don't know what the point is because it's like when you're a pregnant mom, you're so open and it's so frightening and you know that there's something, you know there's something coming and all you have to rely on are all these stories that people have gone through and they've been through some horrific kind of experiences. Yeah, and why, why is it that they love to talk about it? Maybe it's that misery loves company kind of idea. I remember then I had heard a lot of these stories and I was a little trepidatious about the childbirth process. Um, I went and I visited my midwife and her assistant, I was, I was going into labor within the next couple of days and she said, well, have fun. It's going to be the best experience of your life. And I looked at her and I said, you know, no one ever says that. She goes, they should. Nice. <laughs> I thought that was really fun. She goes, I loved giving birth. She gave two kids. So I thought it was fantastic. Sure, there's some pain involved, but oh, look at the, it's a whole experience. You get to feel it in your body and in your mind and in your soul. And it was just like, wow, I don't like, like the same thing. I don't have to buy in to this story about whatever kind of pain and discomfort that was, you know, horrible. Yes. I've used horrible three times, so I've got to come up with a different word. <laughs> Let's do terrible. Terrible. It was horrible. It was terrible. So all these things. But I think it's the stories. I think it's that we buy into a belief system based on an experience that someone had who was not us. Yes. And sometimes there is a lot of collective agreement about such experiences, and it's real easy not even to question them. Mm -hmm. Well, because if everybody says it, then it must be true. Yes. But is it true for everybody? You know, it's that idea that everything is correct for someone, but nothing is right for everyone. Correct. And then making a choice that's saying, I don't want to have that experience. I want to have my experience. I opened up A Course of Love today, and it... Um, it said there basically it comes down to two choices you can approach life with fear or you can approach life with love okay and i think about that with um our stories you know am mm -hmm. i gonna am i going to step into a new experience with fear or am i going to step into it with love with embracing mm -hmm. and so that brings us to the subject of drum roll oh i don't have anything to drum roll on <laughs> Getting older. Well, there's a lot of stories around that. A lot of stories, a lot of beliefs. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's, I think this ties in so much to things we've been talking about with, like last time we talked about vanity. Mm -hmm. And there's the story that you're not going to look as good. You're not going to, you won't be as appealing. You know? And who decides what appealing is? Mm -hmm. So it's questioning those mm -hmm. underlying beliefs. Well, what would you say you are your number one fears, or do you have fears about aging? I do have fears about aging, uh, the loss of mobility. Mm. 
probably my number one. What about you? Uh, loss of the mind, mm -hmm. intellect. Mm -hmm. My grandmother had dementia. My mother had dementia. And so and I've got all the supplements here lined up to make sure I don't have dementia. And I have, I'm a completely different person than either of them. My, my diet's much cleaner. My lifestyle's much cleaner. I've got less stress. I've got less emotional baggage. So, it's, so I think it's unlikely that I'll go that direction. But I still have the story. You know, mom did this. Grandma did that. And I'm right in line. So do you approach it with fear? Only when I can't find my car keys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's only, you know, and this is again goes to the pain in my mind, pain in my shoulder is going to be there forever. So if I have forgotten something, something happened, uh, the passcode for my husband's account is similar to a passcode that I use. And when I mistyped his passcode, he was saying, oh, I'm really getting concerned about your mind. And he didn't know the passcodes are similar, but it was just, it was so, oh, every, every time that happens, it triggers me. And I find myself getting angry because I say, you can't project this dementia onto me. But then I think the anger comes because I believe it. I think so. The anger comes because I believe that, oh, did I forget to leave? Did I leave the stove on? What was I? You know, am I showing early signs? Right, right. Um, my sister, actually, I've experienced this too, that that observer in the back of the mind going, oh, you forgot and left the stove on. It's early onset of dementia. Right. Yeah. You know, better start looking at that extended long-term care now. Right. So, but I think it gets back to, as I go back to the story, like recognizing when I feel anger come up, re-examining re my own beliefs. Yeah. We can say, because I won't get angry. There was something you had said to me one time that has always stuck with me because I don't remember what the situation was where someone had said something to me and I was feeling angry or upset about it. And you said, what would you say if they said they didn't like your purple hair? And, you know, I had a little Zen moment where I just kind of went, well, I don't know what she's talking about. And then I went, you know, I don't have purple hair. She goes, right. So what would you think? And I'd say, well, I would think they were crazy. So on some level, you must believe the thing they're saying, because if not, you'd think they were crazy. That's right. That's exactly right. I remember um, I went and saw Byron Katie once, and she stood up in front of hundreds of people, and she said, so what are your judgments of me? She said, just call them out. And she was reasonably heavy at the time, but nobody said fat. They said all other kinds of judgments, but nobody wanted to call her fat. So when we were done judging, she said, well, what about fat? <laughs> and for her, it was purple hair. I mean, yeah, she knew. I'm sure she knew she was of a large size, but she didn't care. Mm -hmm. It didn't hit her. So it's a really good chance, like you say, when we get triggered to go, oh, something's going on inside of here. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I, you know, when I get the ache, like the pain, and I think, oh, I will never be able to use my right arm again. You know, there's the fear. There's something there wanting to be felt and experienced. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm wondering what's being stored there. For me, what I recognize is I come to, if I've forgotten something or I've done something that's dementia-like, then I think, where was my mind? Where was it? And usually it's I'm distracted. I'm doing too much. I'm not taking the time. I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing and turning the stove off because I'm two steps out of the kitchen before I've ever finished cooking the eggs, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's like this whole process. And the more I bring, and it's, you know, I didn't even think about this. It's the same thing you're doing with the more I bring awareness to the present moment, take care of what's mine to do in this moment and let the next moment take care of itself. Yeah. 
So if you sit and say, okay, right now I have the pain in this moment, and in the next moment I'm doing something else, and the pain's, I don't think about it. Right, right. And it's either there or it isn't, but mm -hmm. I can't determine the next moment. There's only this one and this one, and this is like those Zen clocks, right? Instead of the hours, they just go now, now, now. <laughs> Crazy. I really want to know what time it is. A friend of mine has a tattoo that says that where a watch would be. It just says now. Oh, I love that idea. <laughs> Ooh, if I ever get a tattoo, that's what it's going to say. I know. So I said, so what do you do with your watch? He goes, I wear it on my other arm. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I just was being funny. <laughs> so, but what other kind of stories? So what else do we think about as aging? We're going to lose function of our bodies. Function of our minds. Function of the minds. We're going to lose our appearance. So we lose mm -hmm. desirability. We're going to be lonely. Oh, that's right. There's loneliness. Mm -hmm. I remember when um, at the end of my mom's life when we had her in an assisted living type of facility, with the comment of the woman that owned the place, she said, you know, we were finding out about the population that was there and everything. She goes, it really doesn't matter. They don't make friends. Ooh, ouch. And she said, it's not, they're not capable at that time mm -hmm. because they are in dementia and they don't really, they're not associated with them. And I thought, well, that's interesting here. She was an expert in the field. So that must be the truth. But what I recognized, my mother was so lonely there. Aww. She was so incredibly lonely. And that was when I, I hatched a plan that I would make sure that if I was put into a facility, I had either friends or family members. Like I could be in a facility with all my brothers. We'd all be locked up together. And then we wouldn't be lonely. We'd be annoyed most of the time, but we wouldn't be lonely. <laughs> right. But there's that story that, you know, the story, you're not going to make any friends. Whereas this next facility she went to, um, there was someone who took her on as a friend. I don't know that she would have formed a friendship. Because I think she was probably beyond that capability at that point. But this other woman took her on and she would make sure that she had a place to sit for breakfast. And she did activities with her and talked to her all day long and would read to her from the Bible. And it was it was really very sweet. That is so nice. Yeah. It was, it was the perfect end of life for her. Yeah. You know, having that unconditional love of someone that, that loved her just so freely. And wow. she made friends. That's really nice. What, what I picture um, are the older people who live alone in their little apartments and have to have meals on wheels because they can't get out and mm -hmm. they're just lonely. You know, ugh. I always wonder about why people choose to stay alone in a house at the end of their life as opposed to living in a facility or um, someplace with other people around. I mean, we even have a senior co-housing facility here in Grass Valley. Oh, that's Valley. true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of, you know, elder care facilities and things. And so many people, I remember a woman where she was saying, we were talking to my mom about uh, possibly assisted living and my sister-in-law's mother. So it was someone who's kind of a family member, but not quite. And she said, oh, I would never do that. That's like one step before the grave. And then, but now she lives alone in a house, and I always think, ooh, I would rather be someplace around other people my age and have someone else cooking and have someone else cleaning so that I could be free to do whatever I wanted to do. Maybe that's another thing. Another story is about what do you do? What do you do when you get older? Absolutely, being useless. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like do, do you take, they find that people who take courses actually extend their memory longer. When you're trying to learn something new, you're utilizing parts of your brain that stay fresh. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And they've also found that our 
beliefs about what will happen to us as we age influence the way we age. Oh, interesting. Well, I wonder and how much are those beliefs based on? How much do those beliefs rely upon what happened to our parents as they aged? Mm -hmm. So maybe I have a fear of cancer with my dad, or maybe I have a fear of dementia with my mom. I don't have either of those conditions right now today, but am I courting them by always thinking, oh, this is what happens as you age? Interesting. I don't know if that's true, but I wonder, there was somebody, what was the line? Which, where your attention goes, grows. You know, so if I'm always saying, maybe this is going to happen, maybe that's going to happen, but I'm always watching for it. Yeah, so it's really good to question mm -hmm. those underlying beliefs and assumptions, mm -hmm. which actually is our purpose, isn't it, of the Aging Gracefully podcast. That's right. We want to question those beliefs and assumptions. How would someone do that? So if I wanted to question them, I guess first I have to become aware of what my beliefs and assumptions are. Yeah. And that's easy enough because, uh, at least for me, when I was talking about the lonely people, shut-ins, right? They're called shut-ins. Shut-ins. I get fear stealing into my heart, you know, this cold, icy fear. So obviously there's something there for me. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, finding those underlying assumptions and looking at them. And I mean, I think about... There are very, there's the 90-something-year-old yoga teacher, right, mm -hmm. who's still doing it. I mean, you can, I could replace the idea of shut-ins with that yoga teacher. Vibrancy. Vibrancy. Well, we did a show on the Blue Zones, and it was those people who ritually, areas of where there were communities where people ritually lived or regularly lived beyond the age of 100. Healthfully. Healthfully yes. is the key thing. And... You know, so maybe examining those nine points again and seeing what is it that I can cultivate? How could I cultivate more health, healthiness and more youthfulness in my diet, in my lifestyle, in my attitudes, my beliefs? So one part of understanding my beliefs and assumptions is looking for where, when I push against an idea that generates fear, maybe generates anger? Sure. Fear probably more so. Probably more so. And see where my assumption is, and then what? Then what can I do? Just I'm not. I, I I'm just. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. Yeah. I'm well, I think there are a number of ways. I mean, you can you can do inquiry. Mm -hmm. You know, is this true? Mm -hmm. How do I know that it's true? You know, how do I feel when I feel this feeling or have that thought? So there's inquiry. Um, I as I just mentioned, I can replace. I can replace the image of shut-in as I get older with the image of 90-year-old vibrant yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. So those are two I'm thinking of. What about right. you? Well, I think if I look to my big fear, of course, is dementia, activity of the mind. I know that there are things that we can do to cultivate longevity of the mind and spending time in meditation, but also following your passions, doing things that are of interest to you, engaging the mind. So I'm to that end, I'm looking at taking up drawing and doing things that I, I like school. I like going and studying things. Yeah. I like learning new things. So that's just always being curious and not giving myself over to Netflix so often. Yeah, once in a while you can. <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes, as Freud says, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. <laughs> sometimes you just want to watch a movie. <laughs> right. That's right. I'm not, not, I'm not avoiding my life. That's right. But I think there's a point of, so I've so I observe, and then I identify the assumptions, and then I cultivate their opposite, maybe. 
cultivate that's the one opposite. way to do it or continue with the inquiry you know mm -hmm. how does this feel that sort of thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sometimes i'll just sit with a feeling and and allow it and sometimes it'll go and sometimes it won't and i'll I don't know if this makes sense, but I'll breathe space around it. And then suddenly it doesn't feel so tight and constricted. Mm -hmm. Well, that's an interesting thought. So you've actually got some breath actually, work. Actually, it's an interesting feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my head. I'm in my head. I'm not in my body. So that's, so you've got this feeling and you create space around it and give it room to move and room to evaporate. Yes. Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a trauma release technique. Well, nice. Right. Yeah, because I, I think a lot of us do have traumatic feelings about getting older. You know, right. it's kind of pre-trauma. Because right. <laughs> we have, our parents were, were models of that. And then now, as we step into our 60s and beyond, our peers are examples of that. Yes. So we might be seeing our peers are having more medical issues, more worries, more dementia. And then we think, oh my God, it's happening. I'm next. Right. Because you, you start to see people from high school on the on the website. You might see somebody from high school. Oh, this person died. It's like, oh, it must have been a horrible accident. It's like no natural causes. And it's like, oh, my gosh. It's not possible. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Janet. This has been really interesting. Anything you want to say in closing? Anything about stories or anything you'd want to add? Well, just what we talked about, I think, to, uh, you know, remember those bumper stickers that used to say question authority? Yes. I used to look at them and think, but why? <laughs> but just <laughs> question. When, yeah. when beliefs come up, when fear comes up, question it, inquire, mm -hmm. be conscious about what is going on in your head and in your stories, in mm -hmm. your body. I like that. Now, when you say that about the question authority bumper sticker, I always say, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> So maybe I should take that same approach with my mind that's generating some fear of the future. I could say, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to feel in the future. Because right when you do that, you're stepping outside your mind and right. you're being the witness. Mm -hmm. And there's that space. I like that. Well, thank you so much. So I, oh, I already said that part. So this is Mary Thompson and Janae Anderson signing off.